एवरीवन सो टुडे वी विल स्टार्ट चैप्टर नाइन ऑफ पार्ट थ्री ऑफ द लास्ट गर्ल बाय नादिया मुराद टुडे सिक्सटीन अगस्त 2021 थाउजेंड ट्वेंटी वन एंड आई एम वेरी एपसेट बिकॉज आई एम वॉचिंग न्यूज एंड तालिबान इज कैप्चर्ड होल ऑफ अफगानिस्तान आफ्टर ट्वेंटी ईयर्स ऑफ फाइटिंग आई डोंट नो वट इज गोइंग टू हैपन टू अफगानी पीपल्स देर आर वीडियोज आउट देयर इन विच यू कैन सी डेड बॉडीज ऑन द रोड्स ऑफ कंधार हैरात काबुल I just pray to God for the for the safety of Afghan people because now their fate is in the hands of Taliban. They are so cruel. I don't know how they are, how Afghanis are going to save themselves. You know, there are chaos everywhere. People are just running out of Kabul. They just want to get away from get out of Kabul. They just want to get away from Taliban. I don't know what is going to happen. I think whoever is listening to me maybe in America Australia Germany I don't know we are so lucky because we born in the safe countries we born in the countries who protect us and I I just want to say one thing to all of you who is listening to me you don't have to do anything you don't have to do to go to twitter or facebook and write a long post for afghanis just pray for them silently when you go to church or when you go to masjid or when you go to any temple just pray for them pray for their safety everyone knows that so much strong how strong the prayer is so just pray for them may who knows if god hear our prayer and save them from from taliban I just hope God is on their side. I don't know how is world becoming so crazy. What are they doing with Afghan peoples? I'm just praying for them. So I hope all of you will be. So let's start our chapter, part three, chapter nine of the Last Girl by Nadia Murad. So chapter nine. After Nasir left Irbil, I tried to follow what happened to him and his family. I felt sick with shame when I thought about the PUK video and prayed that it would not put them in danger. He was just a kid from a poor neighborhood, but Hajni and I worried that it was only a matter of time before he became entangled with the terrorist. For years ISIS had been planting roots in the city, preying on the discontent among Sunnis and the instability in the country. Men there had hoped that the terrorist would be like the Baathist and give them their power back even if they become disillusioned by ISIS by the time Nasir returned from Kurdistan boys had grown into soldiers and worse into true believers had Mina's sons managed to escape the battlefield i still don't know Hasni was really worried about something happening to them they helped you he said how can we cope if they were punished because of it He took his responsibility as head of our family very seriously. Of course, there was nothing he could do from Jakho or later from the refugee camp. Hajni spoke to Hisham and Nasir a couple of times and then one afternoon he called and a voice on the line told him the number had been disconnected. After that Hajni had to relay on second hand information about Nasir and his family. One day we got news that ISIS had in fact found out that Nasir had helped me and arrested Bashir and Hisham but that the man had convinced the militants that Nasir had acted alone 
The family was still in Mosul in 2017 when Iraqi forces began to liberate the city and it became even harder to get information. Hajni heard through others that one of Nasir's brothers was killed in 2017 during the battle between ISIS and Iraqi forces for control of the road connecting Mosul and Wadi Hazar. But we don't know how or if it is true. The family lived in East Mosul, which was the first part of the city liberated that year, and they could have escaped or they could have died in the fight. I heard that ISIS was using people as human shields when the Iraqi forces came in, making sure that civilians were with them in the buildings that the Americans wanted to bomb. People fleeing Mosul described living in hell. All we could do was pray they were safe. Before going to my aunt's house sorry before going to my aunt's house in Zakho where Hajni had been staying since ISIS came to Sinzer we stopped at the hospital in Duhok where Said and Khalid were still recovering from their wounds the refugee camp was not finished yet and the Yazidis who had fled to Iraqi Kurdistan were sleeping wherever they could on the outskirts of the city Yazidi families filled unfinished apartment buildings pitching tents given to them by aid agencies on the concrete floors the walls had not been finished yet on the high buildings and i worried passing them about the safety of the families inside a few times small children did fall out of the upper stories but they had now here as to go all of sinzer had been packed into the spare buildings and they had nothing of their own When aid agencies brought food to distribute, people sprinted and pushed through the crowd to try to make sure they received a bag. Mothers ran as fast as their leg would carry them for just one can of milk. Hajni, Sayud, Hajni, Saud, Walid, and my aunt were waiting for me at the hospital. When we saw one another, we all burst into tears and hugged, asking questions after question until the commotion died down and we were able to hear what people were saying. I told them briefly what had happened to me, leaving out the rape. My aunt wailed and started a funeral chant, one that mourners usually shout while walking in a circle around the body, slapping their chest hard to show their anguish, sometime for hours and hours until your throat is in shreds and your legs and chest numb. My aunt did not move while she chanted, but the volume of her shouts was big enough to fill the whole room, maybe all of Duhok. Hajni was calmer, calmer, sorry, Hajni was calm, calmer, yeah, he's calmer, yeah. My normally emotional brother who cried when any member of his family was sick and could have been the subject of a book of love poems while he courted Zilan had become obsessed with the mystery of his own survival. I don't know why God spared me, he said, but I know I need to use my life for good. As soon as I saw his wide, friendly, tan face and small mustache, I burst into tears. Don't cry, Hajni said, hugging me. This is our fate. I walked over to Saeed hospital bed. His wounds tormented him, but not as much as the memory of the mascara and the guilt of surviving when so many others had died. Even the people whom ISIS had not managed to kill had lost their lives. An entire generation of lost Yazidis, like my brothers and me, 
walking around in the world with nothing in our hearts but the memory of our family and nothing in our heads but bringing isis to justice said had joined the yazidi division of the peshmerga and was aching to fight where is my mother i cried embracing him no one knows nadia he said as soon as we can we are going to liberate so lake from daesh and save her Khalid's wounds were worse than Said's even though my half brother had been shot fever times two bullets had shattered his elbow and he needed an artificial joint but nothing like that was available in the hospital in Duhok to this day his arm just hangs stiff from his body useless like a dead tree branch when i first arrived in zakho hajni was still living near our aunt in the same half built house he had escaped to from the mountain my aunt and uncle had been in the process of building a small house for their son and his wife on their property but they were not rich and so they had to build slowly adding a bit here and there when they had a little extra money to spend the war with isis stopped the construction altogether and when i arrived the house was just two bedrooms made of blank concrete with windows that had not been covered and gaps in the seams between the concrete slabs letting in the wind and the dust i had never been in that house without my mother and i felt her absence like a missing limb I moved into the half-built house with my brothers Hajni and Saud and my half-brothers Walid and Nawaf. After they were released from the hospital, Said and Khalid joined us. We tried our best to make it a home. When the aid agency distributed traps, we used them to cover up the windows and when they handed out food, we rationed it out carefully and stockpiled what we could in the small room we used as a kitchen. Hajni ran long extension cords from the main house into our rooms and strung bulbs up to the ceilings so we could have light. We bought some coke to fill in the gaps in the walls. Although we talked endlessly about the war, we rarely mentioned details that would upset one another. Said and Nawaf were the only two unmarried men and their loneliness was less palpable than my married brothers. Hajni had not heard from Jilan yet. All we knew was that she was in Hamdania with Nisran. We had no information about Saud's wife Shirin or my half-brother's wives. I told them what I knew about ISIS and what I had seen in Mosul and Hamdania. but i was vague you about what had happened to me in captivity i did not want to make my brothers suffer more by confirming their worst nightmares about what isis was doing to yazidi girls i did not ask about the mascara in kochu because i did not want to remind said and khalid about what they had been through no one wanted to add to another person's disappear also inhabited by survivor the house was a place of misery my brothers who had once been so full of life were like empty bodies staying awake in the day only because it was impossible to sleep all of the time because i was the only woman i was expected to clean and cook but there was a lot i did not know how to do back home my older sisters and sister in law did the housework while i studied and i felt useless and stupid fumbling around the makeshift kitchen and sloppily washing our clothes 
my brothers were kind to me and knew that i had not learned how to do chores at home so they helped me but it was still clear that once i learned this would be my responsibility my aunt knew that i did not know how to make bread and so she made extra to bring to us but that skill too i was expected to pick up school was a very distant memory now I had escaped ISIS and was with my family but still I felt like my life when I recalled it if I was lucky enough to grow old would be just one long chain of miseries in one misery I am captured by ISIS and in the next I am living a life of total poverty with nothing no place to call my own reliant on others for all our food with no land and no ship no school and just a fraction of my big family only waiting for the camp to be built and then waiting for the tents in that camp to be replaced with container homes then waiting for kocho to be liberated which i thought might never happen and my sisters to be freed and my mother to be rescued in solak i cried every day sometimes i cried with my aunt or with my brothers and sometimes i cried alone in bed when i dreamed it was always about being returned to isis and having to escape again we learned how to make the most of what the aid agencies offered once a week big trucks came loaded with sacks of rice and lentils and pasta as well as some cooking oil and canned tomatoes we had no pantry or refrigerator and so sometimes the food we saved would spoil or attract mice and we had to throw away full sacks of sugar and bulgur until we found an empty oil barrel that we cleaned out and used to store our food throwing out the food was painful without money to buy more we would just have to eat less until the next truck came through jaco when the weather got colder my aunt gave me some warm clothes but i did not have any underwear or bras or shorts and i did not want to ask for anything so i made do with what i had hasni's phone rang often and when it did he he would take the calls outside away from the rest of us I was desperate to know what kind of information he was getting but he would only tell me a little bit I think because he did not want to upset me One day he got a call from Adki and went out into the yard to talk When he returned his eyes were red as if he had been crying She is in Syria he told us Somehow she had managed to stay with our nephew whom she had claimed was her son in Solag but she was worried that any moment ISIS would discover she was lying and take the boy away from her I am trying to find a smuggler in Syria he told us but getting girls from there is even harder than in Iraq and Adki does not want to leave anyone behind to make matters worse the Syrian smuggling networks were developing separately from the Iraqi ones making it even more difficult for Hajni to get Adki out My aunt was the first person I told my entire story to including the rape she wept for me and held me close to her it was a relief to tell someone and i stopped worrying that yazidis would reject me or blame me for what happened to me so many of us had been killed or kidnapped by isis that those of us who survived no matter what happened to us had to come together and try to reappear what was left still most of the escaped sabaya were tired lived 
about their time with ISIS as I had been at first and I understood why. It was their tragedy and their right not to tell anyone. Rosen was the first one after me to escape. She arrived at my aunt's house at 2 in the morning, still wearing the baya given to her by ISIS. Before I could ask her any questions, she said, What happened to everyone else? And Hajnir had to tell her the details. Telling was a burden. It was horrible to watch Rosan's face distort when she heard what had happened to our village and our family. The men were confirmed dead. We did not know what happened to the older women and most of the girls taken as sabaya were still with ISIS. After this, Rosan collapsed into such a state of sorrow, I almost worried that she would take her own life right there at my aunt's house. As Hajni had tried to the month before after finding out about the mascara in Kocho. But she survived her own grief just as we all had to and the morning after she arrived we moved into the refugee camp. Thank you for joining me. I hope you like it. And I also have hope that you don't think I'm crazy. I'm like this a little bit emotional. What can I do? Thank you for joining me.